Hey guys, welcome to Viva La Cultura podcast. I am here with two very special people. Um, we all go to the same college in Worcester, Massachusetts. And we're here today to talk about um, being Latinx at a PWI. Now, before I get into that, um, I want to tell you guys a little about what we at Viva La Cultura podcast want to be able to do. Um, in this journey, we want to be a podcast of Latinx college students in Worcester, talking about all things Latinx and our culture and how we move in spaces, especially in academia, and as young college students pursuing um, higher education. My name is Jonathan Rivera. I am from the best borough in all of New York City and arguably the world, Queens, New York. Um, I live in a small beach town right outside the city and I currently go to school in Worcester, Massachusetts. I'm Dominican and Puerto Rican, so there's a lot of tension in my house, but it's all amazing. Um, I'm a twin. I am a senior at the College of the Holy Cross. I'm an English major on the pre-med track. Um, and funny enough, I cannot speak Spanish. You might be asking, what does that mean for my identity? We'll talk about that in future episodes. Um, but today, we're going to be talking about being Latinx at a PWI. Before we get into that conversation, like I said, I have two speakers that will be engaging with us, um, Stacy and Yesenia. So Stacy, if you want to introduce yourself really quick. Hello, everyone. My name is Stacy Paulino, Holy Cross. I'm a sociology major with a concentration in Latin American, Latinx, and Caribbean studies. I am part of the Latin American Store Organization. I am a community outreach liaison. And home for me is south side of Providence, Rhode Island, a place where you find a lot of Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, a lot of wonderful restaurants, and a lot of music playing that comes from all over Latin America. Yesenia, how about you introduce yourself now? Who are you? Hi everyone, my name is Yesenia. I am currently a senior at the College of the Holy Cross. I am a political science major with a minor in computer science and a focus in Latin American, Latinx, and Caribbean studies. Hometown for me is Sunnyvale, California, um, also known as the Bay Area. Um, I self-identify as um, Latinx, but also Mexicana. Um, and also home for me is Nayarit, Mexico. Um, even though I was not born in Mexico, um, I've been there a couple times and I know that my heart and soul um, is there as well, where my extended family is at. Thank you so much, Yusenia and Stacy. I'm so excited to have you guys on the podcast. Um, being our first one, something I really wanted to talk about because I know it affects all three of us and thousands and thousands of others in this country is being Latinx at a PWI. So I think first question, what does Latinx mean? Um, what does that look like? It's for myself, it's a word that I never heard until I got to college. It was either Latina, Latina, or Hispanic. And then all of a sudden I get to college and there's this X and I'm kind of like, huh, that's, that's weird to me, right? Um, it was something I've never seen before. And it wasn't until I surrounded myself with the right people and not even that, but like took classes to educate myself that I realized the importance of the X. Um, before I get into that though, what is being Latinx or what does the word Latinx mean or stand for you guys? 
Latinx to me means inclusivity. It means being part of a community that is very diverse, very understanding and very family-like. It reminds me of picking fruits from the trees in the DR when I'm there spending time with my family. It means being with my neighbors and seeing them in their rolos with their pinchos and their redesillas. It reminds me of coming to the United States and seeing so many people from other Latin American countries and still feeling like we are part of the big family and just having these conversations and feeling perfectly at home, even at a place like a PWI where we are at now. Yeah, I think for me, the word Latinx itself, um, the X is inclusive of different genders and sexualities that are historically, but not even just in history, right? Like today, um, very much not you know, deemed valuable or a given space in the quote-unquote Latino or Latin American community. Um, the X is, for me, representing inclusivity. It's, it's representing um, bringing the marginalized to the forefront of the conversation. It's giving a seat at the table um, to everybody in our community, not just the men um, who think they run shit. Yeah, um, I feel like for me, Latinx, every year my definition kind of changes. Um, I feel like I'm always adding something new as I'm learning and as I'm navigating these spaces and learning more about my own culture and learning about other different cultures that make up, um, you know, Latin America, Central America, and so forth. Um, but for me, Latinx, as both of you have beautifully described, this kind of having intersectionality, you know, um, having inclusivity and making sure that everyone's included in this in, in this community. Um, making sure that other voices are being heard. Um, and whenever I think about Latinx, I always think about um, a close family member of mine who um, identifies as transgender. And in my community, um, coming from like Mexico in a very like conservative um, community, um, also known como El Rancho, um, I know that she didn't feel um, as included there, you know, but as we move forward in our society, I feel that whenever I think about Latinx, I always think about um, individuals who beforehand left behind, but are now being included and are being, as Jonathan mentioned, at the forefront of these conversations. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think Latinx is not, you know, um, just, it's not always just about sexuality or gender, but I think that's kind of the biggest component of it, right? Um, but also women who are predominantly not, you know, visible in our community, like Afro-Latinas and et cetera. Um, so I think everything you guys said completely, mostly encompasses it, right? I think Latinx can mean different things for other people. Um, but now kind of moving on. So what are the types of people you're surrounded by back home? Um, and how did that shift things or shift your view when you came to a, B a PWI? And for those of you who don't know, a PWI is a predominantly white institution. Um, so that's, I would say, mostly every institution in the United States besides HBCUs or historically black universities and colleges. Um, so what are the types of people you're surrounded by before college? I was mostly surrounded by minorities. So Providence is a very diverse city. Um, I went to high school with white students, black students, Asian students, many Latinos. I felt perfectly at home. I never had an issue feeling like I was an outcast, like I didn't belong. 
Um, and the same goes for um, when I go to other New England cities. Most of the time when I go to, for example, Boston, I see a lot of different people. But during this time, I definitely think that Boston has become very gentrified. Um, but when I came to Worcester for the first time to visit my college, things were very different. I was not surrounded by as many Latinos and Blacks and Asians as I was used to. I was surrounded mostly by white students and I felt very displaced during um, my first visit. It felt kind of like culture shock, um, but I definitely learned to navigate while being with many minorities on campus, our bond is very strong. We are very united and it's something that I have forever appreciated and will continue to appreciate about this school. Yeah, I think for me, um, this is a tough question because in New York City, you know, New York City is so diverse. Um, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I would say more than, I didn't necessarily feel like a, quote-unquote race separation back at home if that makes sense um it was more like based on how much money you made so like your income or like your socioeconomic status um coming from new york i think socioeconomic status holds so much weight um and if anything i felt more separated from others because i grew up you know poor um rather than i grew up latino right and i and i'll, I'll also acknowledge that like um i am a lighter-skinned latino so um, how I move in spaces is definitely much easier than others. Um, but for my own experience, it was, I felt more on the outs, I guess you would say, because of um, how much money, you know, my household made. So once I came to Holy Cross, I still felt that socioeconomic divide, but I don't know, coming to Massachusetts, like there was just literally something in the air that I could not pinpoint a finger on that I was like, whoa, I'm a student of color here. Like back at home, I was just a student, right? Um, maybe a poor student, whatever, but I was just a student. Once I came here, I very much felt like a, a student, a person of color, if that made, makes sense. Like um, I felt like classes that I would walk into, um, if I was the only person of color, it was kind of like all eyes on me or whatever. Um, really isolating, if I'm being completely honest, that's why the Latin American student organization on campus um, and other, you know, multicultural um, organizations are on campus are so important. But yeah, Yesenia, do you, what, what was kind of like your, the type of people that you surround yourself with back home um, and then coming to college, how is that transition like? Yeah, so um, for me, um, I'm from the Bay Area, so it's also, I would consider it like a pretty diverse community. But when I went to high school, it was a predominantly white high school. Um, so I was already like kind of used to being in that type of environment, if that makes sense. Right, but right. there was something different that, um, as you mentioned, there's something that I can't describe that when I came to Holy Cross, like there was a culture shock for sure. Right. Um, and I think part of it was politics for me. Um, when I went to, um, so I went to a predominantly white high school. So when I went to my high school, um, even though it was predominantly white, there was this kind of like understanding of like, um, I guess like human rights, um, understanding of each other's cultures. And there was like celebration of each other's differences. 
Um, at least that's how I remember my personal experience, right? Because I can't speak on behalf of everyone that went to my high school who are also BIPOC. Um, and when it came to Holy Cross, I noticed that for some reason, like, once I arrived to Holy Cross, like, I kind of noticed, like, my socioeconomic status. I noticed that I am a student of color, and I felt this kind of, like, division, and I wouldn't be able to describe it. Um, and unfortunately, I felt like as soon as I got there, I started feeling imposter syndrome. And for those who don't know what imposter syndrome is, is that regardless of like how hard you work and how hard you 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 have the evidence right you have the record of 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 um being equipped for the job being you know for me getting into holy cross obviously i was a, a good student in high school for me to be able to get into holy cross but that didn't matter for some reason like i always felt like i was less equipped than my um white peers uh-huh. at holy cross um, and again, it's because, I don't know, there was something, there's a culture shock as soon as I got to Holy Cross that kind of, uh, I think it, it, you know, the imposter syndrome was so heavy when I started my first year. Yeah, like to talk a little bit more about that imposter syndrome, right? Um, because I really think it is, it's definitely a real thing, right? Um, I've experienced it so much just being in college and I don't think I've ever felt like I was quote unquote an imposter. Um, in spaces until coming to college, I very much thought I had self-doubt, right? And I thought like, do I even deserve to be here? Um, And I think part of that is being a person of color, being Latino, um, or for black students, Asian students, it's like, it's not like everybody looks like us in the spaces we're in, right? In the classrooms, um, 95% of the classrooms you're gonna be in, right? Um, Are gonna be majority white. And when you constantly see that, I think it becomes hard to, I don't want to say just, I don't want to say justify why you're there, but like, it becomes hard to make sense of like, you know, maybe why were we the ones to quote unquote make it out or like get the education that we all deserve? Um, Why aren't there more of us in these spaces? Um, So it's definitely hard. So I definitely came to college knowing a little bit about code switching. Um, I was actually taught code switching when I was interning at um, the Rhode Island Department of Education. And during that time, um, I was actually being taught history of like our education by a white male in his 30s. Um, And I was the only person, well, the only woman of color in my department. I was in the commissioner's office and I was learning about all of these things I had never really learned about and he had been teaching me about like how people like me sometimes have to change the way that we are in certain spaces Um, and I didn't really think anything about it until after I came to college Um, and it, it is true it holds entirely true I feel like I have to act a certain way when I'm around a certain crowd here so I don't Um, So I don't get pinpointed or deemed as a little aggressive or like my tone is a little, you know, off. Um, And I want to seem like I'm just a normal person on campus, even though I should not have to validate my existence, my space at this college. Um, I came here the same way that everyone else did, probably with a little more struggles as um, minorities are used to um, compared to a lot of the students that come here. Um, because we didn't have the resources that they tend to have 
I didn't go to a private school or a Catholic school before this. And um, I definitely went to a very low resourced um, high school. Um, so yeah, I definitely have had to change up who I am sometimes in order to fit in. And after I've realized that I've been doing that, I've definitely not been doing that. <laughs> right, yeah. I love what you said when you said, um, we don't need to validate why we're here, right? We probably worked twice as hard as our white counterparts to get here, and we deserve our spots more than anybody, you know? Um, so why does it continue to be hard for, you know, us as a community to just accept that we did the work and we're here and that's okay, right? Um, speaking of code switching, um, it's very interesting. It's something that I see happen a lot, uh, especially in college campuses, but in quote unquote professional settings. Um, I was once in this philosophy of race class and we were talking about code switching as well. And my teacher was like, talking about it and whatever. Um, and she was, I don't want to say demonizing it, but kind of like, she didn't love the idea of code switching that we shouldn't have to. And, and I completely agree, right? Um, but I kind of saw it as a way of survival in these spaces, right? Um, where we'll be like demonized and judged and whatever. Um, if we bring a little spice and a little culture into the workplace, God forbid, right? Um, but she said, yeah, it's, you know, survival, assimilation, honestly, it's the same thing. Um, code switching is just assimilation. And I was kind of like butthurt about that. I was like, no, like we have to survive in these spaces. That's why we do it. And then I really thought about it. And I don't know, I, code switching, is it just assimilation? Um, Yesenia, what do you think about that? Yes, no, definitely, Jonathan. Um, I totally agree with what you're saying in the sense that I believe that code switching is a form of survival. Um, I always think back to kind of like my political science courses. As a political science major, um, in the courses that I take, I have to defend my stand of, of my my point of view, and so I have very progressive um, political views. And so when I'm talking about things like immigration, um, environmental justice, um, and so forth, I feel that I need to kind of use the white man's language um, in order to be heard or to be listened. Um, because if I don't code switch, I feel like I'm going to be seen as she doesn't know what she's talking about. And when I'm speaking, I try to make sure that like, okay, am I speaking correctly? Like, I need to make sure that there's no like grammatical errors. Like, I need to make sure that I sound confident and that I, I can appeal again to the quote unquote, like the white man's language. Um, and it's, and it's tough. It, it's really tough, especially, um, uh, as I'm telling you, especially in our, in our political environment today, I think, um, and at Holy Cross, as I, I'm sure both you and Stacy can see, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, especially during this Trump era. Yeah, I completely agree. I do want to bring up, um, an Audrey Lord quote, um, it's for the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Um, that's when I think about a lot, you know, I would say that code switching is quote unquote, the master's tools, right? We're using his language to, um, kind of just better our socio, whatever, socioeconomic, whatever, um, statuses, but 
can we ultimately dismantle this oppressive system by doing so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just wanted to add, like, you know, in a perfect world, I wish that we wouldn't have to code switch, you know? Um, because I do think that if our society in America, if it was more towards like integration, then I think that wouldn't be the issue, right? But I think that um, we're very much focused in the whole thing of assimilating, you know? Um, and it's not from like our perspective. If not, it's because um, in some sense, um, white people tend to be afraid of other individuals who are different from their way of living or their way of speaking. And if they, if one does not look like them, we have to assimilate so that they feel comfortable, right? But what about us? Right. Um, it doesn't matter if we're comfortable, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, um, it, it, it gets tiring when you're in these, like, um, predominantly white institutions of, like, having to put your, your emotions aside, right, to make others comfortable. Exactly. I completely agree. Um, so I think now we're going to talk a little bit more of our specific college experience. Um, so Stacy, why don't you describe kind of like, you know, the first time you came to college as a little freshy, a little first year, um, coming to PWI, you know, what did you realize right away? Um, what were your initial reactions? What um, memories first stick out? Well, during my first two weeks on college campus, I felt so out of place. I was having a hard time trying to keep up on my readings. I was having a hard time trying to find resources that would be able to assist me better. Um, And I saw that a lot of my peers that were of color were also struggling. Um, But then I would walk into class or like I'd be walking around campus and I would see a lot of um, the white students just perfectly fine like chilling they they weren't suffering as much as we do um and they definitely were better equipped for everything that was to come during my time in high school i was told that yes i was ready and i was supposedly ready um for the culture shock that was to come but it was very different to talk about it and then to experience it um and talking about all of these first times during my first month of school, I was actually introduced to affirmative action by one of the white students on campus that mm. had told me that the only reason I was here was because of affirmative action. Uh, and I, I had no idea what he was talking about. I was like, what do you mean? What is affirmative action? Um, and he explained to me how the college has to accept a certain amount of students from other backgrounds in order to meet um, like national criteria. And uh, that's the reason why I was here as well as most of the minorities on campus. Um, And that was something that was very shocking to me, something that was very disheartening, something that I couldn't imagine as to why someone would say that to me, Mm -hmm. especially knowing that I definitely worked really hard to come here. I, I had to do everything in my power as well as my parents my the rest of my family it was an insult not only to me but to the struggles that my parents had to face in order to come here they immigrated here as as well as many of the parents of a lot of minorities on campus and i know that a lot of minorities here have worked extremely hard for them 
to supposedly be here because of affirmative action. And the insult has definitely been an experience that has stuck with me ever since, but I think it's only empowered me into being um, more vocal in the spaces that I'm in and being able to really demonstrate my capabilities. Yeah, so Yesenia, you know, same question. Um, what kind of experiences at, you know, the college uh, stand out in terms of, you know, being Latina, um, being a person of color at a PWI? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my, like, one of the, I would say one of the privileges that I have is that um, I recognize that I'm a light-skinned Mexican, right? Um and so with that, I, I noticed that I don't have, like, I don't experience a lot of, like, um, the like a lot of the very, like, how can I explain this? Because I recognize um, the privilege that I have, I, I've also realized that I don't experience, like, everything that a lot of my fellow peers in the BIPOC community um, go through, right? Right. Um, but there are some, I, I feel like I experience more so microaggressions. Mm-hmm. Um in my in the spaces that i that that i'm in um but then one specific um example that i remember is um halloween and um i remember i was walking with my friends and i saw um a white student wearing a poncho and a sombrero and um the whole freaking um was wearing the 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 mustache and I literally saw him and I was like this cannot be happening you know and it's crazy because we do so much on the campus to say about that we talk about like cultural appropriation you know there's Um, there's posters like everywhere about it exactly and it's just you know it doesn't shock me um unfortunately it does not shock me but uh, I remember I saw him and I was like I literally say you're culturally appropriating you know my culture and and he just laughed it off um and kept walking um (laughs) and you know i wanted to swing some hands but i said you know what (laughs) i was like you know i'm gonna contain these hands and get my education instead (laughs) because i don't want to get in trouble but um it's 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 things like that that i i've seen on campus right it's it's kind of like I said that you're appropriating my culture and then you decide to laugh and walk it's away. Like, um, it's a privilege to be confronted about that and think there are no repercussions is just so insane to me. Um, you know, if somebody told me that I was appro- uh, appropriating their culture, I was disrespecting their culture in any way, my first reaction would never be to laugh. Um, but there's mm-hmm. this blatant you know willful unawareness and ignorance um i think that a lot of white students have and that's just putting it nicely right um yeah yeah and i i remember that and the other one that i think both of you will also recall was when heather mcdonald came to campus that was a big slap in the face um the whole about like the whole illusion of diversity right that this is something made up by us um and it's just made me think like wow there's there's students who who firmly believe this right i wasn't necessarily scared about the speaker that speaker is going to come to campus and leave get her money and leave what scared me the most was that there were students of our age who firmly believed this 
who came and supported this woman who came to campus, you know? Um, and the fact that the college didn't do anything, I think that also infuriated me. Yeah. Um, but I, anything, because for those of you who don't know, when Heather McDonald came um, with her book called The Diversity Delusion or something, something stupid, right? Um, a bunch of us, this was spearheaded by the BSU and the Caribbean um, multicultural group on campus, um, protested the event and we took up a lot of space, but there were still people who came. Um, so we protested it and th- this woman at the end, when asked, um, when confronted with questions by not only students of color, but like white allies, she kind of fumbled up and, you know, I doubt she changed any, you know, um, thought process she had about it or whatever, that diversity shouldn't exist and whatever, but it was definitely a good experience to see a protest. But what I'm getting at is um, it felt like the school was policing us, um, policing the students of color, policing the black students. Yes, um, yes. Making sure that we didn't cause too much of a, you know, a ruckus. Um, Mm -hmm. But this woman Mm -hmm. is coming to our campus inciting um, hateful rhetoric that can cause like harm, right? I think if this happened this semester, like given that the COVID didn't exist, and then with the Trump election, I really think it just would have been e- even more necessary to protest. Um, yeah. so it's, I'm not even surprised that this happened. And she's been to a ton of other predominantly white institutions, has had mm-hmm. the same talks. Um, yes. And, had and just adding to what you were saying was that what also shocked me was that when students, so I wasn't um, on campus when she came. Um, I was actually in DC. Um, and I remember watching the videos of white students lining up, right, to right. scream at the students that that were exiting, right, yep. the BIPOC students that were exiting um, the event. And I was like, what is the reason of you lining up to right. be screaming these racial slurs? Um, and the fact that, I don't know, like, I... Like I was like, where was where was the administration in this? Where was a, the pu- pu- public safety in this? You know, right. and in some sense, when public safety um, shows up, um, this is again my opinion, right? This is how I feel. Um, sometimes I feel like, as you were mentioning, like we're being the ones being policed because yeah. we're seen as kind of, are you going to act violent? What about them? <laughs> right. You know. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think it was honestly just like sad to see and very much telling of who the school will allow to, you know, to be harmed and who they won't, if that makes sense. Um, but to keep going with this, you know, being PWI at, um, and it, I'm sorry, being Latino, never PWI, being Latino at um, a PWI, for me, I think it was the first day I moved into campus, literally the first day of freshman year. Um, one of my roommates, um, he's white, I'm not gonna say who it is. He's actually an amazing guy, and I, I really like him, and I miss him a lot because I haven't seen him in a while. Um, but I remember his grandpa came to move him in and shook my hand and doesn't ask for a name or anything and just says, Puerto Rico, right? How is it being this far up north? Literally verbatim, just like oh my that. Gosh. Um, and I've never been to Puerto Rico, sadly, I, I wish, right? Um, but I was kind of like, damn, you know, 
he sees that I have, you know, this Hispanic, this Latino last name that I'm very proud of. And all of a sudden I'm, I must not be American, right? I must not be born in the United States. Um, meanwhile, you know, I was born in New York City, raised in New York City. Um, now I'm in Massachusetts. And it was a very telling and foreshadowing first experience, if I'm going to be honest. Not that I get bombarded with, you know, racism or microaggression or whatever every day, but it's very apparent on this campus, kind of who is made visible and who has spaces and like who needs to really push for spaces. Um, Stacy, want to add anything? I definitely think that my identity has only strengthened since I've been on campus. I've truly embraced exactly who I am. I I have been questioned like where it is that I'm from. Um, I do have a very American sounding name. My name is Stacy, so that's not very typical for a Hispanic, but I do go around listening to my um, Spanish music very proudly no matter where I go. And I do get questions. Um, most of the times the questions aren't that bad. Um, like, why do you listen to that kind of music? Like, what do you like about it so much? And then it's very straightforward or it just, it it really reminds me of who I am. It reminds me of where I come from, my roots and um, just my, my family. I have spent a lot of time away from the Dominican Republic. I was mostly raised here. I was born in Rhode Island. Um, but yeah, it. I don't think it has deteriorated who I am in any shape way or form um but yes my my identity has also been helped by having um an advisor who's equatoriano uh, so i go to his office and i speak spanish with him and we have these conversations he's um, a professor of anthropology so he knows all these rhetorics way too well um and it is unfortunate that we have to have these conversations sometimes, but it's very nice to know that we never stand alone in what we do. Yeah, um, I agree. We definitely don't stand alone in what we do. Like there are faculty who are also people of color, right? Um, who are black, who are Latino. Um, I am not aware of any indigenous um, professors on campus. Yeah. And I really wish we did have some, but um, we definitely don't stand alone. And I think this kind of transition to what next what I want to talk about is being PWI I keep saying that crazy being Latino at a PWI sorry um what are the advantages of that right I think it's a unique experience um what does it do for us as a community um in my own experience I have seen the power of coming together um like we mentioned the protest but also at our cultural night called Noche Latina when alumni come back, when we have, you know, Thanksgiving with the Latin American Student Organization, it's moments like that, that I'm transported back in my grandma's kitchen and I can feel this familial love that um, I can't imagine exist, right? Um, in the rest of our white, in the rest of the white space that we're at, essentially, right? Um, it's it's the times like that that honestly make it worth make it worth it because I think if we as a community were just comfortable being, you know, at a PWI, 
we would not feel the need to create such a strong bond together. Um, but yeah, Yesenia, what about you? Yeah, no, um, there's something that Stacy was saying about how when she's walking around campus, she's listening to her Spanish music and that reminded me that um, before I went to Holy Cross, I actually like didn't really listen to any of the music that my parents would listen to. So they listened a lot to like cumbias, rancheras, mariachi, banda, and so forth. And that's kind of music that I didn't listen to. But I remember that as soon as I moved to Holy Cross, it was such a big culture shock that I started being more appreciative of my roots. And so I started listening to the music that my parents were listening to as a form of like feeling connected to my parents and feeling connected to my uh, Mexican heritage. And to this day, like, you know, I still do like, I feel like I've strengthened my connection to my identity and it led me to participate um, in events like Noche Latina where everyone comes together. Like I remember uh, dancing alongside um, some of my friends for Baile Florico, um, a um, cultural dance from Mexico and doing little things like that. Um, it's where, you know, I feel um, thankful that I'm able to showcase and, and um, illustrate um, something that, that, um, that I'm proud for my, from my heritage to others, you know? Um, so I think that's kind of like the, I guess, an advantage, right? Of like feeling, feeling the sense of community um, in a PW, um, PWI um, space. Um, Holy Cross has actually made me feel welcome in certain programs that, that it has um, made for us. For example, I was part of the Perspectives program, which is a fly-in overnight program for minority, first-gen, and or low-income students. Um, so that was a very um, fun experience in order for me to learn and be surrounded by um, minorities on campus who were very much excited to meet prospective students. Um, and many of us decided to apply to the college and quite a few of us did end up here. Um, and then during the summertime, I was part of Passport, um, which is also a transitioning program that helps students like me transition into a PWI, um, people who have come from um, backgrounds where they have limited resources. And so those programs really help you find uh, a comfort space, help you find your people, people who you can relate to. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to limit yourself to those people and to those spaces, but it is definitely something very nice when that's um, something that you're used to and then, you know, getting thrown into the waters without having any kind of help or having someone to relate to is very difficult. So I am grateful to Holy Cross for being able to have those spaces um, and for trying to diversify the campus. Yeah, thanks so much for that. So um, I think I kind of want to end off with what are, or what is a piece of advice that we can give to incoming first years, you know, incoming um, students of color, incoming Latinx students, um, going to a PWI. Um, yeah, what's a, uh, a piece of advice. Um, so you send you if you want to start. Yeah, um, you got me good. <laughs> I'm still thinking, but I guess something that comes natural to me is that be authentic to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. um, don't try to assimilate. Don't try to make others feel comfortable, right? Um, this is this is this is something that needs to work from both 
defense, right? right. Um, and so, and I think until uh, we start, you know, it, and it's hard, you know, it's easy for me to like speak about it um, because I think I've, I've grown um, and I feel like in a much better mental space. But um, just looking back, I, I think just be authentic to yourself. Know that you deserve the space that you're taking up. No, you're not here because of affirmative action. You're here because you're smart. You're, you're, you know, you worked hard for, for the space that you're in. And, um, you know, and it will be hard to, to voice your opinions, especially when you're defending something that, that is true to your heart. But um, stay connected, stay grounded um, with that. Um, whatever brings peace to you, if it's home, if it's your family, think about them or think about whatever it is that, brings peace to you and know why you're there in the first place. And I think that's my piece of advice. Uh, thanks so much for that. So I think for me, a piece of advice would be similar, you know, don't sacrifice your culture. Um, don't think the only way to move in white spaces is to assimilate, right? Um, and just find where you're comfortable. Like in college, I think it's all about making your college campus your home. Um, and you don't want to be uncomfortable in your home, right? Um, so I think finding those multicultural organizations that really provide like this safe kind of bubble or nest, if you will, um, to express frustrations, to laugh together, to cry together, to dance together um, is really important. My piece of advice would be to definitely be very loud, just the way that you want. Be vocal in your classes, don't be shy. You have as much to say as every other student there and your perspective will definitely be very different. But most of the time by the professors here will be very much appreciated. Um, just be who you are, do what you have to do. Again, I'm reiterating what Jonathan and Jesenia have said. Um, just, just be who you are. Um, and don't let anyone tell you that you're not supposed to be here. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not good enough because that's not absolutely, that's not true at all. Um, it's absolutely what you want to make of it. Um, this experience is up to you. It's all in your hands. And I hope that you really take advantage of it. And just to add to that, be loud, take up space. You're at college for a reason. Um, make sure your voice is heard. Yes. I think that is the most important thing advocate for yourself um mm -hmm. but that's kind of to end today's conversation about being latinx at a pwi um thank you so much yesenia and stacy and everybody listening partake in this conversation have them with your friends right um you might find that many people you know feel similar frustrations or loves as you do um but big shout out to yesenia and stacy thank you so much I am super excited to see where this podcast goes in the future. And um, stay safe, everybody. All right. So, viva yeah, la thank you for viva. having us. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Sure. Thank you, Nisenia. Thank you so much to the audience. I, I hope that you guys enjoyed. Thanks, guys. Yes. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs>